Hey, welcome back. How you guys doing? Looks like we are live. Live from the mountaintop. I actually, I have my, uh, my laptop on a rock right now. And I am like crouching on the ground. One of my sons made me a really light desk and a stool, but it's being varnished right now. And I'm actually going to bring it up here to the top of the mountain and just like leave it up here so I can come and do these things where I have good internet. So I, you guys let me know if you can see me. I hope that we are getting a reception through here. This, like I've said before, trying to tell what's going on with the streaming here is not easy. It says that I'm live and I'm 27 seconds in, but I don't see any comments or anything yet. And then uh, beneath it says no data. So if you're there, let me know. I'm not seeing the... Uh... There we go. Hey, cool. Dare's Garden Experience. Woot woot online. Okay, good. So we got somebody. <laughs> is one of those things having to having to relearn the software thanks to uh, thanks to YouTube's changing of their YouTube Studio and everything. It's it's it was already difficult to set up a live stream. Um, but I, I'm not like a techie guy to begin with. I, I'd rather be gardening. All right, thanks, Chris, Michael, Carolyn. Hey, good to see you guys. So, I figured you know today's. Today's uh, Survival Gardener Minute was about my gardening method. And gardening methods are so controversial. It's incredible. <clears throat> I remember when I did my, my video on why I don't like aquaponics. Jack Spurco... The uh, survival podcast guy, you know, well-known survivalist guy, he just tore into me like he was cussing at me. I'm like, dude, I thought you were smart. I, 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 I had, I thought I had respect for you or whatever. Okay, whatever. So, you know, I mean, I, people have gotten into like, like, like total hissy fits over me saying I really am not that big a fan of Hoogle culture. I don't say don't do hugel culture. I say I don't want to dig for hugel culture. I don't feel like it. I am not interested in doing it. Um, I have played around with the concept by burying wood. I put wood in the bottom of a refrigerator garden, right? So it's like a hugel fridge. Uh, I have put wood in pits, you know, dug in the front yard and put, put some wood in the bottom of a pit and then thrown a bunch of compost slop over it and then planted a melon on top but you know it's it's so funny how you know like like I, I said I'm not gonna do hugel culture in a video that was like two years ago here's why I'm not doing hugel culture on this lot and the lot had really hard clay soil and it had um, I had a, a, like a bunch of briar wood and brush and stuff and and to even dig the ground required a pickaxe it was so hard to dig. It was this thick clay. And I said, here's why I'm not doing hugel culture. And, he, and, and this guy comes back with this big thing about, obviously you don't understand the method, you know? Hugel culture is like this and like this, and, and you don't get it. And, 
And, and it's like, you don't have to dig. You don't understand. You don't have to dig. You don't dig a trench with hugel culture. I'm like, yes, you do. Where do you get the dirt? You have to get the dirt from somewhere, right? Holy moly. You know, um, of course I understand hugel culture. It's one of the methods I discuss in compost everything. Um, and, and then, you know, the straw bale gardens guy. I wrote an article on why I don't trust straw bales. And the straw bales gardens gardening guy, Joel, Joel Karsten, absolutely had like a breakdown accusing me of lying and writing clickbait. And unfortunately, sites like this thrive through, you know, through generating controversy in order to raise their own blah, blah, blah. And, and, and what I realized is Joel Karsten actually doesn't know how to write. Like the dude was unhinged and he wrote terribly and he left a whole bunch of stuff and he didn't actually answer, you know, satisfactorily whether or not there are, you know, long-term herbicide residues in, in straw bales. That was what I was saying, you know, here, I don't trust straw anymore because I know that a lot of these fields are being sprayed with these industrial chemicals that I don't want to bring home to my gardens. And man, he had a fit. And then later, he, this, this was an article I wrote for the Grow Network some years ago. Later, he followed me over to my own site and started slamming me. And then he threatened to sue me because I had uh, done a screen capture of uh, a Google image search of Straw Bale Gardens. I said, look at all the results you get when you Google image search Straw Bale Gardens. And he comes in with, I will sue you! I will sue you! <laughs> so what I did was I screen capped um, his I will sue you comments. And I posted them every time uh, I was posting an image. So it was actually much funnier than just leaving it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's ridiculous. So it's really funny too. Somebody, uh, uh, Ty DeVilla says Jeff Lawton just dumped all over Hugo culture in a recent video. Yeah. Hugo culture is, uh, according to Sepp Holzer, mostly a way of building soil. So it's, it's a way to, you know, dispose of your logs for a period of time and let them break down into soil rather than just like, this is your, going to be your main gardening method. But some people like it. Some people have had good results with it. Um, I don't. I have seen some pretty bad-looking hugelkultur beds in Florida. I, I'm not sure that the method really works well in that sand. They they tend to fall apart, and the sand falls into the inside of them, and everything is really loosey-goosey. And I mean, when I've when I've tried in small amounts of hugelkultur and, and helped other people build them, one of the big problems was the the gaps in between everything. Stuff like you plant transplants and they start to sink into the ground over time as, as gaps open and it falls. So, you know, it's just, it's like, it's crazy um, to, to test different methods and write about what you liked or what you didn't like. And then you end up with like the most insane, insane flame wars of people saying, you have, obviously you have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, I, I, I literally, I, I've probably tested uh, more gardening methods than 99% than of people because of, of having to write articles. I mean, I've written for prepper websites. I've written for, I've written for Survival Blog. I've written for LouRockwell.com. I've written for Mother Earth News. I'm still a blogger with Mother Earth News. Uh, I have my own website. I've written for Marjorie Wildcraft over at the Grow Network. 
I've written for the Prepper Project. I participated in the Survival Summit. I've written for Natural Awakenings Magazine. I've written for the Agrimag. Um, I have written for Backwoods Home. I have written for Heirloom Gardener Magazine. I have written for, oh, what was the other one? I was another sustainable, whatever. Anyhow, um, part of what goes into that is is doing the research in the backyard. And so I've tested and tested and tested, which is something I like to do anyways. It just happens to work really well to be a garden writer uh, and having you know a love of experimenting because then you can you can test and try things. So um, with the gardening methods, a lot of stuff is really it's it's going to be very dependent on your soil and on your climate and on what you like to do. No, the the bitrate is having we're having issues with the bitrate. Let me see if I can. Uh, let me see if I can choke some stuff. If I can shut some things down on my phone, maybe I can increase the... Let me see. I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe I'm, I'm not in shape. Let's see. All right, it's saying that my, my bit rate is lower than recommended, so there you go. Um, No, I can't turn the audio up, unfortunately. This is what it is. So, thank you, Caroline. I appreciate it. Maybe that'll pick it up a little bit. I tried to turn everything off there. I can't go any higher. I am already on the top. Look. I'm as high as I can go. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll get this thing to work better. So anyhow, let's talk about, um, I'm not sure limited down to 360. But anyhow, let me, let me answer some questions here. Yeah, I think social media, Ross says, sure, there are always people slamming other people's methods, especially with social media. I think that social media is really caustic, which is why I am not on um, Facebook. I mean, Facebook's evil, anyways. I'm not on Facebook. I am on Instagram because this this girl that I know said I should be on Instagram, so I'm on there. I am at the Survival Gardener, and I use it to post garden, little quick garden update things. Um, but it's not as caustic as Facebook was terrible. Uh, it used to get in such, just, just, just nasty, and and you don't realize how dumb people are until you're on Facebook. You just start going through, and you're like, almost everybody I know is dumb. You know, but if people get into their like. <laughs> you know, their political discussions and whatever else, and they're like, I didn't know they were dumb. I didn't know everybody was dumb. <laughs> I got to get off. <laughs> yeah, some uh, some autist is going to figure out where I'm where I'm located, Arkansas Woodcutter. Um, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Back to methods. So you're one of the reasons that I like to uh, I don't I don't go for intensive methods as much. Like I don't I don't plant things really tight. If the seed spacing on a packet of seeds says 16 to 24 inches, I try to plant it towards the 24 inches end of the scale rather than 16. And that's because if you plant things closer, it requires higher fertility and more watering in order to keep plants happy. If you ever put a, put like three plants in one pot and notice how fast they dry out and how they grow smaller and they suffer, that's not good. So you don't, you don't want to make them fight for the resources that you have, and you don't want to have to just feed and feed and feed. Yes, you can, you can often get away with putting stuff tighter together, like, uh, like at Square Foot Gardening or John Jeevan's you know, biointensive methods. It's like, more food, less space. But uh, you know, if, you, if you read what he's saying or, or watch some of the videos, they were watering two times a day. Morning and evening, watering twice a day. I don't water twice a day. I water, I water like once or twice a week. I, I hope they're actually watering the gardens this evening because they need it right now. It's been over a week. But um, if you space a little wider, you you quickly realize that your plants get larger, and they often bear better, and they're they're healthier and happier. And sometimes you can actually get more results out of the space, particularly if you have limited soil fertility, limited compost and limited water, it's, it really pushes it, you know? Um, so, <clears throat> well, thank you, Reginald, I appreciate it. Yeah, Facebook sadly reveals people's tr true thoughts. <laughs> there may be a way for me to, um, there may be a way for me to lower the normal latency, low latency, no. Let me see if I can do something here. It says I'm good. David the good. I wonder if there's a way, if, if I could figure out how to, uh, okay, let me see. I'm gonna try something here. I'm going to try something here. Uh, let's see if this works. <laughs> let's try this. All right. Maybe that'll fix it. See if there is a difference now, guys. I'm sorry what uh, for the technical issues today. I, I just set it down to uh, 360 being sent from my OBS stream. So I, I may look worse, but hopefully it fixes the, <coughs> the latency issues and it won't skip as much. Cassidy says, David, my nicotine spray toasted the aphids. Good work. That's um, the, the nicotine insecticide is one of those things that I discovered some time ago. Uh, you can take cigar butts or 
just any kind of tobacco and boil it and add like a drop or two of soap to make it stick. And then you can just go and blast aphids and they'll like turn black like a lung. It really works. <laughs> now it says, the stream's current bitrate is lower than recommended. Yeah, no way. <laughs> we recommend that you use the stream bitrate of 2,500. I'm at 379. <laughs> oh, what fun. What fun. Okay, good. So there we go. Um, back to methods. I'm sorry. We're all over the place here. The technical issues really, really are, are kind of a pain in the neck. It's not like talking face-to-face. Which is one of the reasons when I give a talk, I, I, I never am like, I'm going to do a PowerPoint. Somebody will say, I have PowerPoint. Do you want to use our digital fill-in-the-blank system? And I'm like, no, I don't. Because invariably, when you start doing it, somebody will be like, oh, wait, Windows is rebooting. Uh, let's just wait for this. And then it'll pop up and like something else will come up and it'll be wrong. No, give me a, give me a big sheet of paper that I can draw on or a big blackboard or something. Way better. And I, I could draw cartoon dinosaurs while I talk, too, which you, you can't do on PowerPoint. Um, Laura says, how do I deal with fire ants? I, I will um, use uh, Amdro fire ant bait is my favorite. Amdro fire ant bait. Amdro sponsors this stream. Thank you, Amdro, for getting rid of the fire ants in my yard. Uh, now, it's, it's a very safe by insecticide standards. The fire ants are such a problem, non-native invasive species, very destructive in the garden, very destructive to small children, very dangerous because um, kids get bit up really badly. You're, I mean, the ants will just swarm and then they all sting at once. So one minute you're picking beans with your two-year-old and you're having a wonderful time in the garden and then the next thing you know, she's screaming and it's the ants have gotten all over her legs. And it's, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I just... I hate those fire ants. I don't mind if they sting me, but when they sting the baby or something, that's just like, yeah, I want to kill you all. So, you know, I turn around and uh, throw a little Amdro down. That gets rid of them. Uh, also, you could throw a little seven dust on the pile. Also, if the pile is not in a space where, um, you know, like outside of the garden beds, you can just take boiling water and dump it down the middle. Works really well. So, okay, good. The stream is great now. Not choppy, low resolution. Yeah, there we go. That's the that's the choice. Um, if you can stay, Arkansas Woodcutter says, I should have watered today. I decided to let roots grow and get bigger. Real heat is coming. Yeah. If you can water deeply a couple of times a week, it makes a, a big difference. It's much better than watering every day because the plants are, are tougher. They can... Um, um, they can deal with it. So what you're saying is, you know, you you're you're letting them get a little bit stressed. It works better with some crops than with others. Um, like I did not get enough water for my corn, so I'm getting a lot of tiny ears, but it's better than nothing. Um, so back to methods. <clears throat> I like these. I like digging a bed. And now I, you know, there's a video which I'm trying to get a a link for. But I am in the the uh, Homegrown Food Summit again this year, and it's coming up this next week. But uh, there's a big problem with like the link system or something, so I have not been able to get a the the proper link. I'll post it when I when I can. But it's one of those affiliate links, and the affiliate system is not working for me right now. So when I get that, I'll give it to you. But you'll see in that video how I do the 
you know, double digging and it's really, it's, it's a lot of work, but it makes for a really, really nice bed. I don't double dig all the time. I will double dig if the soil is really hard or if there's a lot of rocks or something so I can really clean it out and get it, get it nice. And I'll double dug the, dig the first time I build a bed sometimes, depending on how ambitious I feel. Um, and then once I've dug it, I don't step in it again. So, so long as you don't stomp down a bed that you've, you've dug in and you're given a little bit of compost, you can just take your fork and like loosen it up a little bit in between crops if you want to. And that's, that's good enough. Usually there's a lot, there's roots in the ground that leave channels behind, worms move in, you know, you don't have to worry about it that much. I don't, I'm not like taking the tiller out in between every crop. You can, however, like I, you know, I, I'm not a, a fan of machines in general. I, I use, all my gardening is hand tools. I've got about 7,000 square feet of beds and it's, it's hand tools. It's all done with hand tools. You feel good. You don't, your arms don't shake and you're not like always having things get jammed in your tiller and then you get mad and the tiller breaks and you get mad. And then, you know, I, I had enough of tillers and the tillers are usually Chinese made junk now. Anyways, I'm so unhappy with the quality. I used to have an old Troy built tiller that worked quite well, even though it had been really beat and it just kept kicking and kicking and kicking for a long time. And then when that died, I didn't get another one because all the reviews and stuff I heard about the tillers were, they're, they're no good anymore. They're just not, they're just not made the same as they used to. They fall apart and I don't want to buy disposable stuff and throw it in the landfill. I'd rather just use my fork. I've had my meadow creature broad fork now for years. I have not broken it and I have not had to put gas in it and it reaches re deeper than my old tiller. But that said, if you have a tiller and it's an older tiller or you've got a tiller, you, maybe there's some variety you like and you can, you can actually use the tiller and, and build soil fertility with a tiller. Now that sounds strange, but you can actually build humus with a tiller. Anybody want to tell me how? <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to watch. We've got a lag of like 20 seconds, so. Jason says, I don't have to worry about maintaining a supply line to keep my hand tools working. Till in organic matter, Cassidy's got it. And let's see if anybody else has got a, a thought on that line. Yes, cover crops, leaves. One of the best ways to, to build that soil up, till your enemies into the garden, till under cover crops. Yeah, there you go. So the cover crops, if you grow a crop of rye and then you take your tiller through and you just till it all under, you can add a lot of humus to the soil, a lot of fertility, and there's a huge amount of roots in the bottom of it. You can actually build really nice soil with a tiller. So Cassidy says, I'm using my stimulus check to buy a broad fork. That's awesome. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Let's use the stimulus for something worthwhile. I, I want to spend mine on bourbon. Wow! <laughs> yeah. 
I'm gonna get a stock. The bourbon's gonna be worth more than the dollar if I can just avoid drinking it. <laughs> but yes, you could you could build you could build the soil with a tiller. Uh, you know, I that's not my it's not my method. But uh, Dick Raymond's book, uh, The Joy of Gardening. He, he, he was like sponsored by Troy Built, <laughs> but it's actually got some really good ideas in it. And they cover crop and till it and cover crop and till it. And you basically um, just keep adding organic matter without even having to build a compost pile. It's really nice. Um, puts a lot of carbon back in the ground. But the way I prefer to do it is to make my huge compost pile. And then I add a little bit of compost when I build a new bed along with little ashes and all that kind of thing. Um, Cassie says, my bar is stock. I ran, I ran a rum distillery for years. That's awesome. Yeah, the only thing you got to be careful about if you're going to add grass clippings and stuff to the garden is not to add a bunch of, uh, you know, dry, high-carbon high stuff. If it's green material and you till it under, it's great. It rots and it feeds the ground. But if you, like, till wood chips under, you're not going to grow anything for the whole year, you know. So it's a pain. I highly recommend a broad fork. I think a broad fork is your off-grid survival that's like the off-grid survival tiller. I would not be without a broad fork at this point. Uh, Miles of Totality says, Totality says, opinion on no-till. I like no-till for my food forests and perennial systems, but in my garden I will practice tillage, but not heavy tillage. I guess, I mean, it's probably heavy tillage compared to what some people say. Um, the big problem with no-till for me is the amount of cover material you have to have. Uh, Cause a lot of these systems, it's not just no till, they're, they're using mulch covers, straw covers and that sort of thing. They're purchasing in materials. I don't purchase in hardly anything. And so I, I don't want to have to deal with truckloads of material as I've wrote, you know, you could see why I don't deep mulch my garden, but from a week or two ago. And I'm not gonna do that. I am not going to do that. And the, the ground does get compacted again over time, so I will fork it up and loosen it. Bacteria can reproduce every 20 seconds, double their population, so I'm not really worried about killing the bacteria in the soil. I've found that uh, the worms seem to be pretty fine. I do cut the occasional worm in half when I'm digging, but um, so what? It's probably, uh, it's, it's way less destructive than, than a lot of things I could be doing. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to make a list of more destructive things I could be doing. But really, if I'm digging the garden up a little bit now and again, and I'm breaking the fungal mycelium in the soil or whatever, I don't really care. Um, I, I don't really care that much. Um, this is the tropics. Like, if I leave a sandwich on the counter, it's probably going to mold by tomorrow. I mean, the kids discovered if you buy bread from the store, within two days of leaving it on the counter, it's turning green and white. Like you can't just leave the bread on the counter. It's gonna turn green and white and mold over. So I'm really not concerned about the fungi and the bacteria and all that stuff. And I wasn't concerned about it in Florida. I wasn't really that concerned about it in Tennessee either. I think that having a fungally dominated soil is, is a good thing for your perennials and your tree crops. I've seen fantastic results by mulching uh, in my food forest projects and around trees. Fantastic results. A huge, I'm a huge fan of chop and drop. In my gardens, the amount of material for, for what I do, it's not worth it. So yeah, no-till does, does seem to have to be a, 
It does seem to have become like a religion. It's crazy. It is it is nuts. <clears throat> and I I I really have to question how many of these people are trying to feed their families, like seriously feed their families off these things, because a lot of stuff is just a philosophical debate. I've told people, I'm not interested in the philosophy of how you're gardening. How is it doing on feeding you? Are you putting in a reasonable amount of work to get good yields? Is it profitable? Because I've had people tell me, oh, you know, it really doesn't make sense to have a garden, economically speaking. I'm like, yes, it does. It should. I'll tell you what, my systems are super economical. <laughs> I, I feed my gardens for free, right? I use hand tools that I don't have to replace. I have replaced handles on my shovels with saplings that I've cut from the woods. I get piles of food out of my gardens. I get piles of calories. You guys have seen the stuff that I haul in. I haul in lots of food. And, and the, the harder I work, the more I'm making off of it because I have methods that are, they're worth the amount of labor that I put into them. I mean, I, I don't have to do massive amounts of labor and spend lots of money. If you decide you're going to build one of those Better Homes and Gardens style set of raised beds, you're going to spend money up front. You're going to spend money up front. And maybe you'll get your husband to go do it for you. You know, you go out and build this. Here's your honeydew list. Go build some some raised beds for me, sweetie, won't you? You know, and then and then and then you spend, you know, 500 bucks worth of wood and screws and stuff and you build all these beautiful beds and then you've got to cut the grass in between them all the time because the grass gets right up to the edges of the wood. I find that to be a pain in the neck. So you're like, "Well, let's put gravel down." So you 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 get a load of gravel and then you put down landscape fabric so you can work around it and you know so the so the weeds don't come through the gravel and then you go and buy a whole bunch of compost so you get some truckloads of compost you might be a couple thousand bucks into your your gardens and even more if you're buying transplants i i'm i'm making my own transplants i'm not buying transplants except every once in a while if i see something i want and then i can save seeds from it um you know i am the cheapskate gardener my gardening methods are does it work in my backyard? Is it going to feed my family? Do I have to work too hard at it? If I have to work too hard at it and it's and it's like tons of labor for, for not much, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to just write it off. I've done a lot of experimenting, you know, and, and had a lot of failures just to see if this method or that method works. But I'll tell you, I don't want, I don't want to spend more than what I have to spend on a pack of seeds. And then I, then I can go out, I can dig with the soil I already have. I can feed by taking a 55-gallon drum, putting a bunch of materials in it, letting it rot down, letting it become a fertile soup. I might buy a little bit of Epsom salts because then I can get my magnesium and sulfur. Um, but uh, I can use ashes. You know, I mean, a lot of this stuff is really, it's dead simple gardening. So it's always trying to reduce reduce it down so you get the most amount of food for the least amount of work. That's my motto. Most amount of food, least amount of work. Other than compost your enemies, my other motto. So that's that's what that's what I'm doing. I'm looking at, you know, a mom has a couple of kids she's homeschooling, let's say. She's got two kids, three kids, 
nine kids. I have nine kids. Uh, and so there's a, there's a limited amount of time to go work in the garden. She's interested in gardening. She wants to save a little money on produce. She should be able to put in a garden with a couple of the kids and spend a few minutes a day in the garden before homeschooling and be able to get pretty much all of the vegetables they would need through the growing season. If you are in a nice temperate climate, it's not that big a deal to get all of your salad greens. How much do you pay for salad greens? Do you trust what what might be sprayed on your salad greens? You know, if you're buying organic salad greens, even then you're not going to get as good a quality as you can get from your backyard. That's that's what I believe. I believe that it should not take you a huge amount of time to garden. If you garden more, you can you can reach a level of not just meeting your vegetable needs, but actually profitability to where you could sell the extra. Um, it's and it's there's a learning curve involved with gardening too, and I, I don't like to give people like great big complicated systems. Somebody will say, you know, tell me how to do this or tell me how to do this, and 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 what I'm generally going to do is is give you the simplest method that's going to give you the most amount of food for the least amount of work, which is why I always ask people, what did people used to grow to feed themselves in your climate? Did they grow pumpkins, corn? Sunflowers, you know, is your area known for tomatoes? Is your area known for cabbages? Is your, do you grow peanuts in your area? What, what is it that is the thing that grows really well in your area? What did people feed themselves with before there was city water available, when they had to rely on the rain, before they even had tractors? What were people growing in their backyards? Those things should still do well in your climate and with your soil. So some places are just not well suited to certain crops. So if you want to have an easy garden, you know, I mean, people will say, oh, I planted this and that and they all died. Well, I'll tell you some things that won't die. If you plant stuff that, that basically grows like a weed in your climate and makes you lots of food, that's what you want. I mean, <laughs> I had problems with fire ants eating my white potatoes in Florida. I love white potatoes, so I wanted to grow white potatoes, you know, Idaho potatoes. And I planted potatoes in my garden, and the fire ants got in, and they dug around the roots, and they wrecked my potatoes. Just destroyed them. Well, my yams, not sweet potatoes, but actual yams, Dioscoria species, were a weed. They're on the state invasive species list. Dioscoria alata is on the state invasive species list. You can grow food for almost zero work. Literally, you take a little piece of yam, you bury it at the bottom of that dogwood tree out in your yard, you walk away for a year, you come back in a year, it's six pounds when you dig it up. Wow, that didn't take any work. You don't have to fertilize it, you don't have to water it, it just grows its own self. Now, you forget about it that first year and you leave it in the ground and you come back next year. Now it's 20 to 30 pounds of prime carbohydrates. It's a great, it's a lot like a white potato, except the fire ants don't eat it. You don't have to hill it up. You don't have to dig the bed. You don't have to do hardly anything except stick it in the ground. I guarantee you in almost every climate, there are plants like that. You know, whether the joke about up north, don't leave your doors unlocked. Somebody will fill your car full of zucchini. Zucchini grows terribly in Florida. People are like, ah, oh, I can't grow zucchini. Well, why? I don't know why you'd want to grow it anyway. It's disgusting. But 
it is not suited to Florida. So if you want to have a successful garden, you're like, well, let's see, I'm going to put my bed of strawberries here and my bed of zucchinis over here. And then let's see, what else can I grow? Oh, I know, I'll grow brandywine tomatoes. That's going to be fantastic. It's going to be the best garden ever. And then they, then they harvest like half of a green tomato and a couple of strawberries. And then the rest of the strawberries die. And, and they might get, you know, one rotten zucchini. And, and they're like, I don't understand. I can't, you know, I have a black thumb. Or they'll say, I, you can't grow anything in Florida. <laughs> I was like, you know what? If you took that same space and you planted yard-long beans, Mexican tree spinach, yams, sweet potatoes, seminal pumpkins, you would have piles of food, literal piles of food. And, and it would take you like way, way less work. You know, you wouldn't be killing yourself trying to keep brandy wines. It just doesn't make any sense. Scott says, my area is known for pears, figs, and market gardens. I have no room for pears, though. I'll bet you do, Scott. I'll bet you you could keep a pear tree. I bet you you could plant three pear trees in one hole, prune them to eight foot, make it a three-trunked pear. That would be so cool. God, there's got to be a way to do it, man. Even if you got to, like, build a little platform on your roof. <laughs> yeah, Miles of Totality says, all I know is fruit trees in South Florida and growing tomatoes and pineapples. Yeah, fruit trees are great for South Florida. Fantastic place. Conrad Homestead says, are you not afraid you're going to make yourself sick with the rancid, fetid water? I did that a few years ago. It smelled horrible. Did I do something wrong? No, no, it's supposed to smell horrible. It's Dave's fetid swamp water. Um, you just pile a bunch of stuff in a barrel. You let it rot for a few weeks until it pulls all those nutrients out. Then you take that soup, thin it out with a little water, and you water your gardens. Plants don't have noses. They don't mind that it smells bad. I'm not going to drink it, but, you know, so I'm not worried about it. And, no, I, I'm, I've never been sick. I've been using it for years. I've never gotten sick. So... <laughs> Anyhow, yes, uh, Simbular Arasan says, native plants and seasons are most important. Yes, absolutely. So let me let me see if I can answer some questions here. <clears throat> oh, Simba says, I'm from India. In your garden, have you ever been stung by centipedes or scorpion? Yes, I got stung by a scorpion. Not in my garden, but uh, when I was doing a little bit of concrete work, I was casting a little slab, and I got out a roll of plastic from my workshop, and... I put my hand on the end of the roll of plastic and suddenly I had the most searing, like brutal pain. There's a bug crawling up my back right now. Thanks for reminding me about this. Ah! Um, the most searing, brutal, just like a, like a red hot needle in my finger. And then bit by bit, it throbbed. The feeling throbbed its way up through my hand and made my hand pulse and throb and then up to my arm. And it was this, it felt like I had fire in my veins. And then it worked its way up to my arm, under my armpit, and down into my ribs. And I could just, I felt like, oh, I'm getting shaky. But I, I wanted to keep doing this concrete job, so I worked as long as I could. But man, alive, I could barely move my arm. The next day, I was fine. Um, it didn't kill me, fortunately. 
And another time there was a centipede that was about 10 inches long that I uncovered in a, a bed that I was, I was digging some um, compost out of. Fortunately, I was able to chase it away and then it had tons of babies underneath. Like it was a nest of them in the bottom of this bed. So I was not digging with my bare hands. I usually poke things with a machete first and I'm really careful about flipping things over because I do not want any vile, you know, dangerous things to get me. You got to watch out, you know. I mean, like, it's just like in Florida, you know, you don't walk around in the tall grass without swooshing a stick around first, especially if you're near the water. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Scott says, I put some shrimp heads in my fetid swamp water a few weeks ago, and yikes, it ripened up real good. LOL. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm going to put some uh, rotten beef broth in mine when I make it this tomorrow. I'm going to make another batch. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Karen says, I was hand-pollinating my passion fruit when I got the notification. Had to stop on the way in to feed my dog a few Everglades tomatoes. <laughs> so I want to say thank you. Uh, again to Carolyn for the super chat and thank you very much Karen for the super chat much appreciated um, that is cool <laughs> I, I appreciate the support it's fun it's fun like I it, it makes it worth climbing up to the top of this mountain I, I had a hike like over a mile up the mountain to do live streams <laughs> <clears throat> well do you have many venomous snakes there in the banana republic have you ever seen? When I was a kid, okay, I always wanted to go to the Amazon because it seemed like the trees and the animals and everything. It's like it's so romantic and incredible. And then you realize that almost everything wants to kill you. And it takes a little of the romance out. <clears throat> Lions and Tiger said, if you only had room for one fruit tree, which would you recommend for Central Florida as far as the most prolific and calorie dense? Uh, I would recommend I would recommend the mulberry tree. I would say pears, but you should plant two pears. Mulberry tree would be my 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 top my top recommendation for Central Florida. Hey, from Jamaica. All right. Welcome. Um, <clears throat> hey, Green Shorts DIY. <laughs> I support Green Shorts DIY on, on Patreon. He just sent my money back on Super Chat. Thank you. <laughs> Arkansas Woodcutter says, what is the most productive food you are currently growing? The most productive thing we have in the garden right now is uh, pak choy. I planted way too much pak choy. I did not realize when I started growing pak choy that the children didn't like it very much. So I have like 70 or 80 plants, something insane like that. And so we have pak choy all the time and my kids don't want to eat it. Um, it's very productive. The corn's doing pretty well. This is a dry season, so it's not very, it's not very easy. Um, Scott sends a $10 tip for the corn stream. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so I would say like long-term though, the most productive thing that I can grow here are bananas and plantains. 
the bananas and plantains just produce and produce and produce and they make big clumps. They're very low work compared to digging roots or planting beds. So longer term, you'll see me start hauling them in probably about nine months or so for the ones that I planted. Um, but after that, uh, probably it's going to be sweet potatoes or cassava. The beans, the green beans have done very well. But uh, pure mass, pak choy. <laughs> but it's like 95% water or something. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Bryce says, fetid swamp water, it's very anaerobic, right? I've heard that anaerobic is bad for the soul. <laughs> oh, I wish I had my guitar. <laughs> she said, honey. Don't you give me that water, honey. I don't want no tea. You said, honey, that anaerobic stuff is bad for me. It's bad for my soul. Oh, baby, it's bad for my soul. Oh, baby, it smells bad to my nose. And I just knows it's also bad for my soul. Okay, so anaerobic is bad for the soul. Is diluting it with water what makes it okay? You know, yes, anaerobic, the anaerobic decomposition, it releases various, you know, alcohols, and it is not, uh, it's not the best, like things don't like it, but it rapidly becomes aerobic when you pour it into the ground. So I figured diluting it with some water is going to mitigate the effects, plus I'm going to go and, and pour it all over the ground and everything into a very aerobic situation so it's going to break down quickly uh the reason i don't worry about it well, there's a couple of reasons i don't worry about it one of the reasons i don't worry about it is because the um the system is just originally based on the idea of making comfrey tea or making weed tea, where you just take weeds and put them in there, or making manure tea. And, and I, I was reading about that. People put that out for you know a week or so, let it rot down, and then you water your plants. And I, I had always heard the same thing. Isn't anaerobic bad? Isn't it evil? You know. And so I, I, I said, well, let's try it. So I made some manure tea, and then I'm like, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm going to throw some weeds in there too, and I'm not satisfied with that. Let's throw some urine in it. And then I'm like, you know what? If I got the widest range of nutritional materials possible and let them all rot down into a tea so it gets drawn up into solution and all the bacteria breed in or whatever, they break it down, they will make it make these ingredients readily available to the plants. If I let a whole bunch of stuff rot down and I just thin it out and I water my, my plants with it, what would happen? So I did it. Uh, one winter, actually, in North Florida, I had my greenhouse. I had a bunch of tropical plants in there. And so I took this kitchen trash can and I threw a little bit of chicken manure in the bottom. I threw in like a gallon of urine. I threw in some Epsom salts. I threw in some weeds. I threw in some Moringa. I threw whatever I could find and I let it rot down and man, did it stink. And so I'm like, wow, this smells really bad. But I dipped into it with a little cup and I went and I watered my potted plants with it. And wouldn't you know, man, those things greened up like you would not believe. So if it's bad for them, the plants certainly don't seem to know it. They they thrive on it. And so I'm guessing that it's not as bad as advertised. So that's that's one reason there. I tested it. The plants did great. Not that worried anymore. 
Perhaps if they were sitting in an anaerobic juice, that could be a, a nasty thing. But the, it seems to just, you know, you pour it on the ground, and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of the anaerobic bacteria are dead very quickly as the aerobic bacteria take over. But secondarily, I found some years after I had started using the method and, and been popularizing it in my book, Compost Everything, that the Koreans had been doing this forever. The Koreans had been fermenting material, sometimes as long as months or even a year, fermenting a bunch of materials and then pouring it back. So say they wanted to grow apples. They would take a bunch of old apples, like, like the fruit, and smash them down into a barrel, put water over them, and put a little seawater or something in there and just like let it ferment. And they would let it ferment for months or all through the entire winter season and then on into spring. And then when the plants looked like they needed a boost, they would go and use this anaerobic stuff. So so people, so I had these you know people saying, hey, I, I saw this Korean method. And then friends started sending me these videos from Korea. And I'm like, no way, no way. I think it was Mart Hale actually that uh, my friend Mart who sent me the first Korean Video. So I bought the Korean natural farming book, which is really interesting and strange. And, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm reading this method. I'm like, look at that. You know, they've been doing this for generations. And it works great. So, yeah. So it was, it was, there's a variety of different things going on. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a moderation thing where if it was soaking in it, it would be a bad thing. But when you just pour it into the soil, it's basically aerobic really quickly. And the little bit of alcohols and stuff don't seem to be a big deal because the plants just go crazy on it. And it's way easier for, for me. Like, again, dead simple, dead simple, dead simple. I don't want to have to run a, um, a, a pump and pump air into the system and try to get the perfect balance and put molasses in it and then hopefully it feeds the sugars up and they don't start to die and then you got to feed it like exactly 24 hours later. Oh, come on, I don't bother with all that nonsense. So. Oh, Seven says, Jadam utilizes space age technology. <clears throat> space age barrels. Yeah. Yeah, Jad, I'm using anaerobic fertilizers. Okay, cool. So, um, let's see here. I'm just going through the questions. <clears throat> All right. All right, so anyhow, gardening methods. If it's working for you and it doesn't require an inordinate amount of work, I don't really mind. You know, if you've, if you've got a really great culture bed, you know what I've gotten over the years is lots of pictures of people starting culture beds. I have had, I, I can't think of one great picture of a culture bed where they're like, this is our system and look at how great it looks. I have gotten good pictures of you know, occasionally people doing like back to Eden gardens, um, you know, and there's some YouTubers that are like in the no-till thing and the stuff works. Thank you, Oil Science. I appreciate the super chat. Much appreciated. Have a good night. And uh, I have seen, you know, good looking square foot gardens. I, a friend of mine used to install square foot gardens. It's good. It's better than not gardening. 
Um, and, you know, I, I have seen, there's usually like a promise to something where you get all excited about it because you saw it on Pinterest or you read a book or somebody, you know, somebody on YouTube, they send you this video and it looks like it's going to be the easiest, newest, bestest way to garden and <clears throat> people jump into it. I've seen a lot of people start aquaponics projects that just ended up total wrecks and you know, um, I had a I had a barrel garden system once that a friend of mine really graciously set up for me and I did not run it well and I ended up knocking it over on accident and you know, um, what has just come down to working the best is is simple systems. Loosen the soil up, put a little compost on it, keep things watered, use the fetid swamp water, and and plant the crops that fit the climate. And then you're not, you're you you know, <clears throat> trying to get stuff to Pinterest level is not really important either. It doesn't matter really what your garden looks like. Is it productive? Because I've seen gardens, uh, Finca, our friend Finca, who's who's commented a, a lot. You know, we go back and forth on Instagram all the time. Uh, his gardens look awesome, and he's got all kinds of stuff like interwoven through the gardens. They're like these really permacultury gardens with big shrubs and small stuff, and big bit here and big bit here. I've seen gardens like that that are super productive. They look really great, and that's the way that naturally he wants to work, and it looks really good. And then I'm friends with Steve Solomon, the author of Gardening When It Counts. Steve's gardens, he puts the same stuff in perfect rows and nothing gets out of place and he gets massive production. Gorgeous gardens, but very well organized, like Steve's brain. Perfect. It's great. You know, it looks great. And then, and then, and then there are people who, you know, are just going to blindly follow a, a method because it's it's somebody it's some system or something that they like and they become like a devotee like somebody that just converted to a new religion or a new fad like let's just say vegans vegans right i'm a vegan now and and then it's like all oh, about vegan oh my gosh i'm so vegan i am so vegan i love being vegan oh my gosh oh my gosh i am so virtuous it's the best thing i've ever happened to me i'm not eating 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 my fellow life forms anymore you know but you get really really excited over the system and you you're just like whoa i can't stand it it's the best thing ever and 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 every other system is so stupid Compared to being a vegan. I mean, square foot gardening or whatever, you know. Cage stage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Conrad said, David, did you just say you want to start an aquaponics system because you love playing with plumbing parts? No. <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> holy moly. Basically... <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. <laughs> what I want you guys to do is to experiment with the different methods and, and get food. You know, remember that the end goal is getting food. The end goal is not having a beautiful garden. A beautiful garden is a side effect of it, and it's going to reflect your personality. Um, I think it's it's Laura. I think it's Laura that, that posts all of the lego people in all of her garden shots there's always lego people it just cracks me up to see all the, the little legos there's like a lego and in the background there's some um 
you know, some shoots coming up. Here's here's the little Lego lady in front of a harvested tomato or whatever, you know. It's really funny. <clears throat> oh my goodness. So, you know, if it works, do it. And and experiment with it. One one of the things that that I try to get people to do in my books is not to just say I'm going to do the David the Good method, but to try my methods, but try other things too and try a bunch of crops. Don't just try one crop because I said, oh, that's the crop, you know, that this crop will work well for you. Well, it may not work as well for you and your climate or your soil or your rainfall or anything else than it works for me. So I'm not going to say this is it. This is the end all, you know, what I want you to do is try the crop that I recommend because generally I have a pretty good idea and I've, I've worked and written articles in a lot of different climates, but I haven't lived any further north than zone six. I've lived in zone six, zone eight slash nine, and I've lived in zone 11. And now I live in, you know, the equatorial tropics. So I've, I've lived in zones from the equator to zone six. But beyond that, I've done a lot of research on, on northern crops and, and conditions, but it may not work. It may not be the best. So what I want you to do is to take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, what can I do? What can I try? What can it work? And, and usually I think you'll find that what I'm recommending works because I try to take complicated ideas and simplify them down and make them usable. Even if you can't use every crop that I'm growing, you can use the same, you know, the same methods that I'm using to grow a tropical crop and apply some of them to a Northern crop, you know? So take it and experiment and learn from your own garden and, and teach yourself as you go along. But remember that the goal is the most food, for the least amount of work. If you're killing yourself to try and maintain a philosophical system, don't. Stop. Rethink it. What do you want? You want food for your family that's not poisoned. You want fresh stuff. You want high, high, you know, you want to have some food security. You want to have more calories. You want to have regular salads. Keep those things in mind. It's not about the philosophy of it. It's about are you getting food that makes sense for the amount of work that you're putting in. Are you getting a good, are you getting a decent yield? You know, I want you guys to have food security. I having my big gardens right now has made me feel so much better about this whole pandemic. I really feel for those of you that are stuck in between properties or in small spaces right now. You know, this is a tough time for everybody. And if you have a space and you can garden it, it should be a weight off. It should not be a weight on. It shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I'm killing myself to try and maintain this system. Look at fail faster. If the system is not working that great for you, try another system and try another system until you figure out, boom, this one works. Oh yeah, this one works. I'll give you as much guidance as I can. You can go through my bazillion old videos. You can go to the Survival Gardener, read my articles. You can read my books. Tons of information. I try to simplify everything as much as possible. There are links to my books below this video, below all, almost all my videos, unless I screwed something up. So, you know, Go, go figure those things out, um, but, but, but take it and run, and remember the goal is food. The goal is to take care of your family and not to kill yourself trying to maintain a philosophical system. If, if, you know, if you want to, do a no-till bed and do a till bed. You know, go dig a bed and then go do a deep mulch bed and see which one does better. You know, the pest issues can be outrageous for some people with deep mulch, but in other climates, deep mulch can be way better than the bare soil. So, you know, try it. Why not? You know? So anyhow, God bless you guys. Thank you for the super chats. Um, 
Thank you, Shasha. I can never say Shasha Kila. Pee on your plants for their own good, then water it in. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat. And welcome, Vicky Brushwood, new member. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to join this channel as a member, you can get some of my videos and stuff. Uh, I, have, I have posted links. I've got to post some more stuff for you guys, actually, for my members. Maybe I'll post a um, an early draft of my new book for members. That would be cool. My new book is Florida Survival Gardening. I am finishing up the illustrations now. I've got three left to do out of like 40. And uh, it's off to the publisher. Rachel's writing a couple of recipes at the same time too. And that's got to finish it. But the main text is done now. I could actually, maybe I'll just throw it past some of you members. That's a good idea. Anyhow, uh, when I get a link for the new Grow Network presentation I'm doing, I will leave it for you guys. And... Um... <laughs> Arkansas Woodcutter said, I bought four books yesterday because of you. It's all your fault. I got the wild fermentation book releasing on, mild fermentation book releasing on May 5th. Cool. That's great. I, I'm a book junkie. I, I have so many gardening books. I have like, I have collected every book by Julia Morton. Julia Morton is like, I wish I could have met her. She was awesome. <clears throat> but uh, I'm going to go home and uh, I got to hike down the mountain before it gets dark. You guys can see back behind me here. It's beautiful. But uh, the tropical sun goes down really fast. And the you can hear the crickets and stuff going. Isn't this cool? I mean, I am so blessed to live in this place right now. I mean, I, I'm, having, I'm having a lot of fun. Honestly, I'm just getting started in the tropical agriculture. I do miss Florida sometimes. But uh, the tropical agriculture is so much fun. <coughs> Karen says, yeah, send it to the members. All right, I'll see if I can figure out how to do it. Dr. Fang says, when does the Survival Gardener recipe book come out? Um, I am not really good at recipes. I, I cook like I garden. I throw things together and see what works, and I, I rarely do the same thing twice. <laughs> you know what? I could give you guys a recipe for my anaerobic tea. That would be good. I'll look out for the behemoths. My kids are back in the 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 bushes right now they were clearing an area uh my 12 year old son built me a small desk and a little stool and i'm going to set it up here on top of the mountain so i can actually just sit up here and work like it's a cafe maybe i'll bring a mug of coffee with me um but my kids are back there in the in the brush clearing a space for me which is really kind of awesome oh thank you guys god bless you all um i want to i want to thank everybody i want to thank Let's see if I can make this work. I have to be able to see everything here. Thanks to the super chats from Carolyn Smith, Karen Hill, Green Shorts DIY, Scott Head, Oil Science, and Chastity. $5 just for making me crack up. And yeah, one more down here I can't see. Oh, here we go. And, and Shashakila, pee on your plants for your own good. Thank you all for the super chats. It's really nice to have a little bit of extra revenue for the hike. And uh, seed money. Boom. Keep testing. And um, thank you very much to Vicky, is a new member. If you want to join this channel as a member, <clears throat> I'm going to be putting up some more cool stuff for members now that I finally have my uh, internet working again. So I'm just going to have to boost my data plan a little bit so I don't get destroyed. But we can do this. We will figure this thing out. So I might take some of these super chats and put it towards data. Boom. Anyhow, have a great night, everybody. God bless.
And until next time, may your thumbs always be green.